Those are two awesome songs right in a row. Martin Luther wrote one 500 years ago and the Gettys wrote one 15 years ago and man, God's word doesn't change. Music styles might change, but great theology in both of those songs. Absolutely awesome. Uh, I'd like to thank Pastor for giving me the opportunity to preach this morning. I usually only get to preach when he goes away, and, and he went to Israel just to give me the opportunity to preach. Thank you. And then he came halfway around the world just to hear me preach, which is great. <laughs> I, I appreciate that, Pastor. This makes me feel really special. We live in an age of knowledge, of, of information. We have so much information available to us today. Many people even say that there is a, there's an overabundance of knowledge. Frankly, knowledge is rather cheap. We can, we can get it very easily. And, and when we get it, we often forget it right after. And when it's, whether it's knowledge that we learned in high school or in college, or whether it's information that we picked up on, on a meme online, we can get it very easily and we can forget it just as easily. Knowledge, knowledge can be important, but really knowledge is quite cheap. The Jeff Foxworthy's show on, on TV, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? I love watching that show. It's great to watch. But I always wonder what the point of that show is. Is the point of Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader that adults are woefully ignorant of simple information? Or is the point that they teach kids a whole lot of stupid stuff that they're just going to forget in school. I don't know. They, they, they present it as these kids are so smart, but they learn all these facts that we hardly ever use. Uh, one person on Twitter uh, said that, that a person from 50 years ago who was bought, brought to today, the one, one thing that they would have a hard time understanding was that we have a device in our pocket that holds the sum of all human knowledge and we only use it to look at cat videos and get in arguments with strangers. <laughs> knowledge is cheap. It's often necessary. You might need a piece of knowledge to, to close a sale. You might need a piece of knowledge to, to get an account or something. But even though that seems important at the time, you know, that piece of knowledge in two weeks might be completely useless to you. Knowledge comes and goes, but, and, and its value is very temporary. Wisdom, on the other hand, is very different from knowledge. Very different. When we get wisdom, wisdom, wisdom is hard to get. It's hard to, hard to pick up. And we often don't forget the impact of wisdom. We don't, we don't lose that as readily as we lose the information that we read. It's often, it, it's, it's almost always of immeasurable value. Wisdom is very, very valuable to each of us. It helps us get through life. And, and it's not nearly so readily available. Information, knowledge is a Google search away and all things. And you can Google uh, wise sayings on the internet and you can read them and they look really wise. But, but that doesn't become wisdom until it, it changes your life, until it shapes your character, if you will. Wisdom is something that, that 
takes a process to gain. It's not something that's, that's simple. It's not something that you can just read. The Bible talks a great deal about wisdom. Of course, Proverbs is almost completely dedicated to the topic of wisdom. But I want to look today, and, and if you have your Bibles, please turn there to 1 Corinthians 2, a passage uh, where Paul talks about wisdom. It's importance and it's source and the power that comes with the wisdom that is God's. If you would, 1 Corinthians 2, I'm going to read the first five verses. Uh, follow along with, you, with me if you would, please. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5 says, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or with wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Let's read that last verse again. He says, so that your faith, I do all these things so that your faith doesn't rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Our source for wisdom is the object of our faith, whatever that object of our faith might be. We, we don't get wisdom from things that we have no faith in. This isn't... This isn't necessarily a spiritual statement. It is a spiritual statement too, but it's a, a practical, it's a simple statement of fact. We get wisdom from things that we have faith in. Whatever we trust in is what we get, gain wisdom from. And that's true whether we're talking about God and the Bible or whether we're talking about our parents or man's philosophies or, or Mickey Mouse. It doesn't matter. Whatever we have faith in is what gives us our wisdom. We talk a lot, uh, kind of a Christianese thing to say is just have more faith. More faith. Christians need to have faith. And that's true. The Bible talks a lot about faith. But the Bible talks about the object of our faith. Just a, a general vague idea of having more faith is not what God has for us. I was watching a, a Christian-themed video a couple years ago and, and, and uh, they were in a situation that the protagonist was in a plane with the pilot and there was some malfunction. The, they were in a storm or the plane was breaking down or something. And the pilot said to the Christian protagonist next to him, he said, I don't think I can make it through this. And the Christian next to him said, it's okay, I'm a Christian and that means that I have faith that you can get us through this. And I thought, no, that's not what, that's not what faith is. Faith, faith is faith in God doesn't have anything to do with maybe the pilot's a terrible pilot maybe you shouldn't have faith in him we have a uh in sunday school growing up for me there was a an illustration that that made a little bit of sense but i kind of misunderstood it we we have this illustration i've, I've seen it a hundred times of what it means to have faith and they say having faith in a chair is believing that it can hold you I believe right now, I have faith in this chair that I'll be able to sit in it and not fall to the ground. And being a little bit of a snotty kid, I would say, but what if the chair breaks? And then I'd get in trouble, but whatever. We, 
I, I never got a good answer to that. What if the chair breaks? Then, then our faith isn't valid. Well, that's a, that's a picture of what faith is, but that is not the faith that we're supposed to have. You know, it is, it is stupid to have too much faith in a chair. As Christians, we're supposed to grow in faith. We're supposed to have incredible amounts of faith in God. If we grow in faith and have incredible amounts of faith in this chair, that's stupid. If you, have, if you say, you know, I have faith in this chair, that it can hold, you know, a, a ton and a half of bricks, it's going to fail. If you have faith that, that one of the chairs in our teen room after we play Upset the Fruit Basket is going to fail, that's going to hold you, you're probably wrong because we, we don't play that game much anymore because it breaks a lot of chairs. But we, we understand that, that it's smart to have limited faith in physical objects. Obviously, that chair can't hold a building together. That chair can't do a lot of things. We only have faith in that chair so much as we think it's wise to have faith in that chair. The object of our faith is more important than our faith in that object. And I, I say object meaning the, 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 the direction our faith is pointed. I don't mean we can only have faith in physical objects. I mean uh, that which we have faith in is our object of our faith. And, and we need to realize that we are not called to have ob, uh, faith in physical things. We are not called to have faith in uh, necessarily the people around us. We're called to have faith in God. Now, we do have faith in the people around us. If, if we had uh, appendicitis, we would have faith in a doctor. We would have faith in their, their advice, their ability to, to perform a surgery, to, to take care of that situation. That's, that's sensible faith. That's a good amount of faith. But if we had, again, if we had a leaky radiator, we would not necessarily have faith in a doctor to fix that for us. We have, it's okay for a Christian to have faith in other things. It makes sense for a Christian to have faith in other things. Faith is, is a simple thing that we have every day. But what we're specifically called to as Christians is to have faith in God. God as, as an all-powerful, all-knowing creator of the universe. This is the object of our faith. This is, he is our inexhaustible source of wisdom. While it makes sense to limit the amount of faith we have in our chair because it can only do so much, and it makes sense to limit the amount of faith we have in a doctor because they can only do so much, it never makes sense to limit the amount of faith we have in God because there is no limit to what God knows and what God can do for you and what God is able to do in his ultimate plan. He is an ultimate source of wisdom for us. This is what Paul is saying here. I don't need, I don't need other things to have faith in when I have faith in God. He is our source. He is our simple, uh, simple, simple truth, simple wisdom giver. All I need to do is preach Christ crucified. This is, this is how I present it to you. All I need to do, you who are children of God, all I need to do is preach Christ crucified. And, the, and, and God is the all-sufficient source of wisdom 
regardless of whether we are talking to little children or young Christians who are adults, or whether we are talking to learned scholars. Christ is the ultimate source of wisdom. Read what he says going on in verses 6 through 9. He says, Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, though it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understand this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. God gives us the wisdom that we need, and it is available to us, even when we're in a situation that's out of our ability to deal with on our own. That's where God comes in and helps us, gives us the strength, gives us the wisdom, gives us the understanding that we might not have otherwise. I'll be honest with you, I always feel terribly inadequate when I get up in front of a a, a group to speak. I know there are people out here that are wiser than me, that that have a better prayer life than me, that have a better relationship with God than me. I, I know that there are people out here that that I should have no business teaching. And, and it, it, every, I think every pastor, when they go into the ministry at all, they have, to, they have to come to grips with that a little bit. There are people that you're trying to impart wisdom to that are wiser than you. It doesn't make sense. But you know, it does make sense because God is the source of our wisdom. Uh, Paul deals with this with his, his follower, Timothy. Timothy was a young man. He was about my age, probably, when Paul wrote to him. In 1 Timothy 4, 12, he says, Let no man despise your youth. When I was a kid and I read this, I thought, Man, if somebody tells me I'm too little to do something, this means to bop them in the nose. That's easy. I can do that. But this, of course, that's not what Paul's saying. He doesn't say, Fight people that, that think you're too young. He, he goes on in that passage. He says, Be an example. Live the way that you ought to live. And, and in this passage, he's saying, he's saying, because God gives you wisdom. God gives you the wisdom that you need. You don't need to preach from your own authority. You don't need to preach from your vast store of wisdom. I'll be honest, there are preachers that have been in the ministry for 40, 50 years that have so much wisdom. They get up and talk and they have great glowing illustrations that I think, man, I think I'd run away if I was put in that situation. And they, they can... They can make things seem so personal and, and all these things. And I don't, you know, I don't have 70 years on this earth to, to look on for sermon illustrations. But all the wisdom that I need, all the wisdom that I need is in the word of God, is given to us by God so that we can teach the truth. We don't have to have a, a Ph.D., to be able to know wisdom. We have to know God. All that matters, all that matters is that we present God and the Son and the Holy Spirit and, and their, their work and their word. That is what God has called us to do. And it's not just preachers. Every one of us. If we are Christians. We are called to share God 
We are called to proclaim God to the world around us. That is what we are to do, and we cannot do that in our own strength. This is exactly what Paul's saying. We cannot proclaim God because we are wise. We cannot proclaim God because we have this, this thing figured out where we have a relationship with God, and, and we, we got it. We don't need anything else. We have to depend on God because man's wisdom, even applied to something like sharing the truth of Christ, will fall on deaf ears because only God can communicate that through us. God is the ultimate source of wisdom. However, God does have a system through which he is designed uh, to give us his wisdom. We see this in verses 10 through 14. Read with me if you would, um, starting at verse 10. It says, These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we might impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Now this passage talks about two people. It talks about the natural man and the spiritual man. This is referring to the spiritual man is the person in whom the Spirit of God dwells. And the natural man is one in whom the Spirit of God does not dwell. Therefore, an unsaved person. We see throughout the Bible, God calls, God says that anybody who is a follower of him is indwelled by the Holy Spirit. In fact, uh, one chapter over, uh, 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? Jesus, is, uh, Jesus saves us and he sends the Holy Spirit to be in us, to shape us, to conform us into his image when we become a Christian. That's what it means to be a Christian is having the Holy Spirit in us and directing us. We understand that we have the Holy Spirit in us, but it's not just enough to be indwelled by the Holy Spirit. We also have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Each one of us If we are a Christian, if we are truly a follower of God, has the Holy Spirit in us, but but oftentimes we don't listen to the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes we don't allow ourselves to be directed by the Holy Spirit. As Christians, we have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit change us, fill us, direct us. And then he will impart wisdom. He will give us guidance. And it's not, it's not just, it doesn't take meditation. It doesn't take uh, thinking about it. It takes filling our mind with God and with Jesus and his work and his word. That's what fills us with the Holy Spirit. If we fill our mind with movies, we're going to be great at quoting things to people. We'll seem super culturally relevant. If we fill our mind with scary books, we're going to 
be great at telling ghost stories. Whatever we fill our mind with, whatever we allow to, to take up a majority of our time is what's going to, to fill us and it's what's going to come out of us. It's what's going to be seen from us. When we fill ourselves with the Word of God, when we fill ourselves with concern for our relationship with God, with prayer, with, with investing in Him and how, allowing Him to invest in us and, and doing our devotions and seeking His Word, that's when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's, as Paul says, what, what causes us to be able to understand the things of God, the, 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 things that are, the things that are simple and the things that are hard to understand about what God is. This is what Paul's talking about, the wisdom, the, the hidden wisdom. It's not, it's not something that anybody can look at and say, yes, I understand God, it's easy. It's, it, takes, it takes energy, it takes effort to be filled with the Spirit so that he can illuminate us with who God is. This is the work of the Holy Spirit, to illuminate us, to, to reveal God's will to us more fully. Paul talked about preaching the simple gospel to all. And this is the, the gospel, the, the wisdom of God that is available to all. Is, is Christ crucified. The simple gospel. Jesus Christ came. He died for your sins because he loves you. And he rose again to save us all. This is the simple gospel. This is, this is the basis of wisdom that is available from God. And he makes this readily available to all. But if you really, really want to understand God, get to know God, have an awesome relationship with God, it takes energy, it takes effort to fill yourself with the Holy Spirit, having a steady diet of the truth of God. So we understand God is the ultimate source of wisdom and we understand that it is available to us through the filling of the Holy Spirit but we also see that it is incredibly powerful. The wisdom of God is powerful. Remember we talked about how our faith in an object is only as good as that object. I can have all the faith in the world in that chair, but it's only ever going to supply me a place to sit. But when we have faith in God and he gives us his wisdom, There is no limit to the power that can be accomplished, the power that can be demonstrated by God because of that unlimited source of wisdom. Paul talks back in in 1 Corinthians 1. We look in verse 18. He says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are saved, who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is one that is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. God empowers his message in a way that we can't. We can can use all the wit and all the, the 
clever turns of phrase in the world and will never change somebody's mind about who God is and what God has done for them. If we are Christians, if we are called to go out, we, we are, we are called to go out and, and preach God to the world around us, to teach God to the world around us, to, to simply tell person, people around us the gospel of Christ. And we do that in our own strength. There will be no power in it. God himself is the one who makes our message effective because he has infinite power, because he has infinite wisdom, infinite ability to empower our words. Just like Paul said in in chapter 2 at the beginning, he said, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That is, I didn't want to show you that I had some vast store of knowledge. I wanted to show you Jesus Christ. That alone. That's all I needed. Paul. Paul was a super smart dude. He, he studied under different rabbis. He is uh, known outside of Scripture as, as one of the, the most able students of his time. He was a really smart dude. Yet when he went to present God to people who needed him, who needed God, he simply said, this is who Jesus is. This is what Jesus has done. We see in other passages where Paul, Paul talked incredibly deeply about things about God to people that needed to hear it. But when all, was, all that was needed was a simple presentation of God, he didn't let his, his smarts get in the way of allowing God to work through his simple truth. When we want to be effective, when we want to communicate truth, we don't need to rely on our, our charisma, on our wit, our influence. All we need to do is rely on the power of God. Uh, there were passages in the scripture where, where Paul's detractors talked about Paul as having uh, a, a weak tongue, a... a uh, a repulsive presence in the room. He was, he, he was a smart dude, but he wasn't necessarily the, the, the guy that gets elected president. You know, he was, he was intelligent, but he wasn't the, the guy that stands up and, and wows a crowd. But you know what he did in his life? He stood up and he, he, he wowed crowds because he allowed God to work through him. He allowed God to fill him with wisdom, the Holy Spirit to fill him with wisdom and allowed that wisdom to to demonstrate the truth of God that was available to him and is available to all of us. It's important for a pastor to understand that that we don't communicate truth, that, that God is the one communicating truth. We simply state it as best we can. It's important for a pastor, but it's important for every proclaimer of the truth of God, which if you are a Christian, you are called to be. Each and every single one of us is called to be a proclaimer of God. Today's Pastor Appreciation Sunday. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate a pastor who bases his sermons on the truth of God. I thank God that Jeremy, Pastor Jeremy, puts energy into his messages into to looking at Scripture. 
and looking at the, the information that God has for us and studying what other people say about Scripture, going back to the Scripture of God. We, we look at our Bibles. We understand what the Bible says. That's, that's why I thank God about the ministry of this church, the ministry Pastor Jeremy has here a relationship with God and someone who is willing to share that relationship and and point people to God. Let us emulate Paul in allowing not ourselves to be seen, not ourselves and our wit and our sarcasm and our charm be the thing that points people to Christ. But let's tell people if we simply are filled with the truth, if we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, if we know the truth and have the wisdom of God present with us, we are obligated to share that with people. We don't have to be the greatest speakers in the world. We don't have to be the most persuasive people, people that turn people's minds, change people's thoughts. We have to present the word of God and do so in a way that reflects God. Love people. Love people like God loved us and share the word of God with them. Let's bow your heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wisdom that is available to us. We thank you for the spirit that can move in us and fill us. We thank you for the power that is available to us to to communicate your truth, to accomplish what we could never accomplish on our own. You have given us that strength. You have given us that ability. Help us never to lose sight of the fact that you are our source of wisdom, you are our source of power, and you are the object of our faith. We praise you, God. We know that you are the one who can make a difference. We pray that you would help us depend on you today and every day. We ask these things in your name. Amen.